Turn with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. This day is called Good Friday. But it's the darkest of all days. This is the darkest of all days in the church year. It's the day when Jesus Christ was mocked, was spat upon, was whipped, was beaten, was stripped bare, and was lifted up, nailed onto a cross for everyone to see. Why is it Good Friday? I guarantee you that the disciples didn't think, yeah, this is good. It's a day for tears. It's a day for sorrow. It's a day for black. So why is it Good Friday? What actually happened on Good Friday is awful. And we should taste the awfulness of it. It's awful unless you know two things. Where did the cross come from and what did the cross produce? And this passage tells us those two things. Where did the cross come from? Well, where did it come from? Did it come from our strength? No, because it says, while we were still helpless, while we were still weak, it didn't come from our strength. Did it come from our godliness? No, because it says, Christ died for the ungodly. Did it come from our righteousness? No, because it says, while we were yet sinners. So did it come from the wrath of God? Did the cross come from the wrath of God? No. God could have completely satisfied his wrath completely apart from the cross. Because he could have satisfied his wrath on me. And on you. He could have completely satisfied his righteous wrath with no cross. By giving us what we deserve... So the cross does not come from the wrath of God. So where does it come from? This passage tells us it comes from the love of God. 
But God demonstrates His own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The cross is the pulpit of God's love. The pulpit is the, the cross is the place where God stands and preaches to us of the love of God. Look at that verse. Look at verse 8. Many of you, some of you, will remember the, King's, the King James Version of verse 8. Do you remember it? But God, what? What is it? Commendeth his love toward us in this. What does that word commendeth mean? What does it mean to commend something? To commend something is to hold it up, to show it off, to display it as worthy of praise. It's what a salesman does. Look at this. I want to show you something. This is something that has worth to it. This is something that's beautiful. This is something that is praiseworthy. This is something that you should love. This is something that you should want. It's not just a cold scientific demonstration. God commends, holds up, shows off praises His own love for us in this. Do you see the love of God as something praiseworthy, as something desirable, as something beautiful, as something worthy? Notice something else about that word. But God demonstrates. What would we expect it to be? We would expect that word to be, but God demonstrated. The past tense. This is talking about something that God did back on the cross 2,000 years ago. But that's not what the word says. What's it say? God demonstrates now, present tense, right now. Right now, God is standing in the pulpit of the cross, proclaiming to you His love, showing to you His love, holding up for you His love. Right now, shouting to you His love. Right now, God is demonstrating to you His love. Do you see it? Do you hear it? So the cross springs from the love of God. And that's not the only place in the Bible that says that. This isn't Romans 5.8 is not some fluke. Titus 3, 4 and 5. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. By this the love of God was manifested, was shown in us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Every Christian can say along with the Apostle Paul, 
I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who, what? Who loved me and gave himself for me. Every Christian in this room, every Christian in the world can say exactly those words. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, loved me and gave himself up for me. So Good Friday is good. Because in the cross, God proclaims to us, demonstrates for us, commends to us, proves to us his love. Don't ever question the love of God. He has shouted it to you from the cross. But that's not the only reason it's good. What does the cross produce? The only way to understand why the cross is good, why Good Friday is good, not just where it came from, but what does it produce? And the only way to understand that is to understand what was actually happening on the cross. What was God doing? Verse 6 tells us, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8 tells us, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. On the cross, God the Father killed His only Son. God the Father killed His only Son. This is called the penal substitutionary atonement. And every one of us should, it sounds weird, but every one of us should take that phrase, penal substitutionary atonement, every word of that phrase, penal substitutionary atonement, you should take that phrase and burn it into your mind so that you can use it on your deathbed. So that when you lie dying, What comes to your mind is penal substitutionary atonement. What does it mean? What does penal mean? Penal has to do with punishment. It has to do with pain. Pain that's inflicted because the laws have been broken. What does substitutionary mean? Substitutionary means that Jesus' suffering and death was not for his own sin because he had no sin to suffer for. 1 Peter 2.2, Jesus Christ committed no sin. Hebrews 4.15, Jesus Christ has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. He had no sin to suffer for. But He did suffer for sin. Why? He suffered for the just punishment for sin because He was suffering for you. In your place, taking what you deserve so you could go free. He was your substitute standing in your place as God poured out His wrath that you deserved. Penal substitutionary atonement. What does atonement mean? Atonement means being made right with God. It means blotting out your crimes, blotting out your crimes that separated you from God so that you could come back and be the friend of God, the Son of God. 
So what does penal substitutionary atonement mean? It means what Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 says. He, listen to the pronouns, He was pierced. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. It means what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. He made Him who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. It means what Galatians 3.13 says. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. It means what 1 Peter 2.24 says. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by His wounds you were healed. It means what Peter says in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God. Bearing shame and scoffing rude in my place condemned, He stood. Sealed my pardon with His blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. That's what was going on on the cross. And what flows out of that? What results from that? What comes from that? Verse 9 tells us, much more having now been, having now been justified by His blood. What flows out of the cross, what flows out of the penal substitutionary atonement is justification. We are declared righteous before God. Righteous from head to foot. Having now been justified by His blood, what else? We shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. There is a a day coming. There is a day of wrath and judgment coming when all of us will stand before God, the King, the righteous judge. And because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, because of the love of God that compelled Christ to the cross, having been justified by His blood, we are saved from the wrath of God through Him. Scripture says that on that day we will stand before Him blameless with great joy. What else? Verse 10. What else flows out of the cross? Verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, God is no longer our enemy. God is no longer our enemy. We have been reconciled to God through the death of His Son. No longer our enemy, but now He's our friend. And if that's true, he says in verse 10, 
then we shall be saved by his life. What else? There's more. Verse 11, and not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. What does that word exult mean? The word exult with a U means rejoice. Jump up and down. Filled with joy. We are now filled with joy in God. We used to be His enemies. We used to hate Him. We used to run from Him. We used to hide from Him. We used to shake our fist in His face. We used to want to have nothing to do with Him. We used to be afraid of Him like a slave who's ready to get a beating because he knows he's disobeyed his master. But no more. We exult, exult in God. We have received the reconciliation. What Jesus Christ has done to transform us from enemies into beloved friends, we've received it. So what comes out of the cross? God stands reconciled. God's wrath is satisfied. God's people are justified. All of it flows out of the cross. And so, yes, this is the darkest day. But it's also the best day. Have you seen the love of God in the cross? Have you heard Him preaching to you, commending to you His love for you in the cross? Do you see it now? Do you hear it now? Right now, He is demonstrating it to you. Do you believe that the cross of Jesus Christ secured your salvation? Do you believe that the cross is big enough to secure your salvation? Do you believe that you need it? Do you see it? Do you taste it? Do you feel it? Have you come to Him in faith? Have you thrown yourself on Him alone to save you from the wrath of God? God demonstrates His own love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Pray with me. And as we pray, I'm going to pray the words written 400 years ago by a Puritan, John Flavel. Pray with me. Lord, the condemnation was yours, that the justification might be ours. The agony was yours, that the victory might be ours. The pain was yours, and the ease ours. The stripes were yours, and the healing balm issuing from them ours. The vinegar and gall were yours, that the honey and sweet 
might be ours. The curse was yours that the blessing might be ours. The crown of thorns was yours that the crown of glory might be ours. The death was yours, the life purchased by it ours. You paid the price that we might enjoy the inheritance. O Lord God, we praise your name. And I pray that you would make us see and taste and feel and know the love of God. Cause it to be shed abroad in our hearts because of your work for us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.